good, everybody. Welcome to episode number 37, the Jimmy Johnson edition of the Gold Standard Podcast, part of the Niners Nation Podcast Network. Alongside me, as always, Levin Black. You gave me a weird look there, Levin. Did you not like my choice for number 37? No, it's, I keep waiting on you to mess up, but I think you finally learned your lessons. You're probably actually researching it now rather than just going with the guy you think so that I don't call you out. For those of you that don't know, Jimmy Johnson was a Hall of Famer drafted in the 60s, I think 61, one of three first round picks the Niners had that year. Dude was an absolute stud. Obviously, he made the Hall of Fame. And when he retired, Levin, he had the record for most games as a 49er. Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, the only thing uh, I disagree there is that you said he was a Hall of Famer. No, he is a Hall of Famer. Accurate. They did not remove him (laughs) as far as I know. Sorry, Jimmy. That's my bad. Uh, We've got a ton to do today. The betting odds for the number three overall pick have changed again. It is amazing to me that that Vegas doesn't even know what the 49ers are going to do. They've made a couple of key signings in Wayne Gallman and Arden Key that we're going to get into. Uh, Before we do all that, though, Levin, a little bit of breaking news here on the podcast. I am very excited because next week, Kyle Posey and I are going to have a very special guest on the pod. Do you have any guesses as to who it could be next week i assume week before of the, draft. the draft yeah before the draft one of your old espn buddies nope not one of my old espn buddies that would be a certain quarterback out of north dakota state who's going to be drafted on thursday <laughs> kp and i are going to talk with trey lance and i'm going to tell him that you are the cheerleader that's trying to bring him to the 49ers <laughs> Uh, because I know what it's like to live in North Dakota. Although his experience in North Dakota is completely different than mine. Like that is a state that there's no comparison between East and West sides of it. Like he, he spent his time in North Dakota in Fargo, essentially. So he spent his time in a place of a hundred thousand people. And those hundred, it's more than a hundred thousand. Now my, my knowledge on population in North Dakota is a little outdated, but <laughs> it's mine. Uh, from when I worked at the newspaper uh, at the time, Fargo area was like 120,000. The entire state, which by the way, this state is like as big as most of the East coast combined. <laughs> that was like 120,000 out of a total of 500,000 people that lived in the state. Wow. So yeah, like they're, they're different. The wet, The west side of North Dakota has like 15% of the population or something like that. And it's a, that half of the state is like the size of Pennsylvania. (laughs) So did you see the shirt that Trey Lance wore at his second pro day? It was QBU. Yeah, I I saw it. I, I don't know what it means. I mean, quarterback university, North Dakota State. It's kind of it's kind of tough to brag when the quarterbacks that have come out of there are you, who we don't know about yet, Carson Wentz, who was the worst quarterback in the league last year, <laughs> and Easton Stick, who couldn't sniff the field. You missed it. Should have said Easton Stick, who couldn't really stick with anybody because he keeps moving around the league. No, I don't think I should have. I really don't. <laughs> But let's get to that right now, because as I mentioned, the odds for the third overall pick have changed. 
Once again, according to PointsBet, Mac Jones is surging. He is now the betting favorite to be the third overall pick. He is at minus 150. That means, in case you don't know, that in order to win $100, you have to bet $150. So Mac Jones is one. Justin Fields is number two at minus 105. And Trey Lance is number three at plus 325, which means if you bet $100 and you get it right, you win $325. So the odds have swung once again, Levin. Yeah, but that doesn't really mean jack shit. That's not Vegas saying, hey, let Let's get the odds to be accurate on what we think will happen. It's people making bets swinging it. So it's just a whole bunch of speculation. It's as much bullshit as all the analysis out there. I mean, right now you you got some blue check marked people saying, I'm hearing it's definitely Mac Jones. And then you have some blue check marked people like I think Rich Eisen even said it today that he's hearing it's going to be Trey Lance. You know, like nobody knows. Nobody knows. It's that simple. So stop acting like you know and just shut up already and admit it. That you think. Like a lot of this is phrasing. People wanting to sound more credible than what they are because what they're doing is listening to an NFL agent who has a bias or some other BS like that saying, well, I'm hearing the 49ers are in on Trey Lance. The agents don't know. The Niners are not telling anybody. There are, at most, I would say, four people that know who that pick will be. And that that's at most. It's Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, Adam Peters, and Jed York. Those are the only four people. I don't think the scouts know. I don't know. I don't think anybody else in that front office knows. And it might not even be that all four of those people know. I just think it's crazy that a week before the draft, people think the 49ers are still deciding. Like, are you serious? Every team right now knows who they want to pick with their first round draft pick. Now, the guys later in the draft, obviously, you know, they don't know for sure who's going to be there, but they have someone that they hope falls to them for sure. The idea that the 49ers are still deciding a week before the draft, it's insanity. They know. Yeah, I would say they know. I think the second pro days were more to confirm things that they thought you know what I mean because it doesn't hurt to meet the person more to get to see them in your system I think it was more I wouldn't even call it due diligence they already had a pretty damn good idea of what Fields and Lance were they just wanted to see it in person because why not why not utilize that ability while you have it I mean I, I I find it wild that they've kind of been able to skirt the rules and they've been able to basically direct two of the top prospects and say, hey, have this guy be your QB coach. And, oh, hey, Mr. QB coach, tell us everything you see in his daily workouts so that we essentially get nonstop workouts with a de facto QB coach who we just don't happen to pay. We convince the prospects to pay him instead. And, <laughs> oh, by the way, make sure they work out in things that are good for our system. It's not a bad situation if you could get it. So far, the 49ers have their private quarterback coach that they don't pay and their ghost general manager and Mike Shanahan, who they don't pay. So it's pretty good if you're Jed York. You've got guys working for you that aren't actually on the payroll. Uh, but you talk about people speculating, Levin. Larry Kruger from KMBR tweeted this um, on Wednesday. Quote, I heard last night the 49ers met with Trey Lance's parents on their trip to Fargo. That sounds to me like Lance is their guy, and it jives with their public stance that Jimmy is their guy this year. 
I mean, they were in Fargo for like three hours, apparently, according to reports. They were wheels up and wheels down in and out in three hours. I don't know that that necessarily says to me that Trey Lance is their guy. And I don't know how the hell they had time to meet with his parents at that point also. Yeah, so I originally saw that he met with their parents. And I thought, okay, that means he's quite likely to be the guy. And I even posted on Twitter saying the Niners would be kind of jerks to say, hey, hire this QB coach. Hey, do a second pro day for us. And hey, let's meet your parents. And then never mind, you're not the guy. But then I found out that the way in which they met him, which this comes from Makash, who just tweeted this, I think someone recently, that the actual meeting was just that his parents attended the second pro day. So Kyle was there too, and they kind of had greetings. I don't know how much they actually talked, whether it was just, hey, oh, hey, hi, or if there was an actual like conversation there. But I would say that means less, you know, that, that it was more just happenstance that they were in the same place, same time. That makes more sense to me because when you see what the Justin Fields pro day, you know, they were laughing it up, having fun. They were there. I think they got in the night before the Justin Fields pro day. You know, they're all they're traveling on Jed's plane so they can come in and leave whenever the hell they want. And it seemed like it was a much more substantial visit to Justin Fields than Trey Lance. All I can say is they had this time on a private jet and we didn't get any drunk tweets out of John Lynch. I mean, come on, you had a standard, you set a standard. (laughs) I think Kyle put the kibosh on that. I do not think he was pleased with what happened last time. They took the phone away from John Lynch. I'm sure. (laughs) Well, he already didn't have the reins. So like you mentioned the four people that know, I don't know if John Lynch is in that, in that group just yet. I bet you John Beck knows, but more than John Lynch. Yeah, see, I think that those four guys, they know they can trust each other to keep their damn mouth shut because nothing has leaked out of this regime that they didn't want leaked out in four plus years that they've been together. So I would bet those four guys know, but I would also bet that only those four guys know. Like, I I would doubt that, like, D'Amico Ryans, the defensive coordinator, knows. You know, I I don't think the rest of the coaching staff knows. I don't think the scouts know. They are purposely not telling anybody anything. I would imagine that's the case, and it it has worked well so far for this regime. You know, people keep telling me, people are texting me, hey, what are you hearing? What do you know? As if I'm like, I don't, I don't have sources, but people are texting me, and they're like, I don't know. I'm, I'm worried it's going to be Mac Jones. How are all these guys wrong? Shefty and Mort and all that stuff. My response to them was pretty obvious. Like, where were Mort and Shefty and Chris Sims when the Niners traded for Jimmy Garoppolo? or traded for Trent Williams, or traded to Forrest Buckner, or picked Brandon Ayuk, or picked Javon Kinnell. Like any of the moves the 49ers have made, nobody's been able to predict. So I'm not worried that the insiders now, you know, don't know what's going on because they haven't in the past. There's going to be a lot of people that look really stupid when this draft pick is made, and they're going to be in defense mode of, well, no, I said I was hearing that. Yeah, from somebody (laughs) that's not connected. Oh, I I had my son tell me this so that I could say I heard it. And then there's going to be the people who end up being right. But let's not give them credit because we know damn well they weren't told. They were not told. They took a guess. They got a one in three chance of being correct. Like, it's just stupid to me that people are seeing this and then going, ooh, that means that they're actually taking that person. No. They don't hear anything from anybody credible. They're hearing it from people that don't know anything. 
I'm not hearing anything from anybody. I'm just trying to look at the facts of the situation, what they have said, what they have done, and how that applies to the future and make my best guess. And that's why I think it's Justin Fields, because they made the move up to number three. They they said that they were discussing, you know, four, five, other pick. They went all the way up to three because I think they knew what the Jets were doing at two. They went to three because they want the guy that has elite skills. And to me, that's Justin Fields. Shanahan has talked about he doesn't have a type about how, you know, his views on quarterbacks have changed since he's become a head coach. When I put everything into the bucket and I just look at what's going on, to me, everything points to Justin Fields. But that's not because I'm hearing anything from anybody. That's just my assessment of the situation. Right. And and this is one assessment I have of the situation. Look, this is a team that has drafted people that they purposely never scheduled a workout with back in years that they could schedule workouts just so that nobody would know that's who they're targeting. If they traded up because they knew absolutely Mac Jones was the guy that they wanted, because so far what we've seen since they traded up isn't very good for Mac Jones because he didn't have a very good pro day. He has not hired John Beck, which mm-hmm. screams alarms to me. So if they did know that that's who they wanted because he'd done nothing to win it, then I don't see Kyle Shanahan attending that pro day because he wouldn't want to give that signal out. He would just stay away from that pro day, but instead he made a big deal of attending that pro day and everybody knows, including him, that he doesn't attend things very much for draft season because he prefers to just stay at home and keep researching and doing all that stuff because he doesn't get much out of going to the pro days because the pro days are a lot more about the GMs chit-chatting with each other and laying the groundwork for draft day deals or other trades that that could happen. So to me, that signals... If they knew that Mac Jones was the guy when they traded up, why would Kyle Shanahan be at that pro day? And if he wasn't the guy when they traded up, what has Mac Jones done to earn it over the other guys? Nothing. Yeah, and the, you're right. The point about Beck, too. He's not working with John Beck. John Beck is clearly Shanahan's guy. He has said so publicly on the record that they are friends, that they talk frequently. He's worked with every quarterback that the 49ers had on their roster last season. Well, I guess not. Josh Johnson, but he's worked with Garoppolo and Mullins and uh, CJ Beathard. He knows the system intimately. And all of a sudden, about three weeks ago, which is pretty much when the 49ers made the trade to number three, Trey Lance started working with John Beck. So to me, that shows that the 49ers were debating between those two guys and not Mac Jones. Like that is a massive, massive indicator to me. And the 49ers, you know, Sometimes play coy with stuff, but this is something that you can't really hide. You're either working with with John Beck or you're not, and Mac Jones isn't. And to me, that means he is not in consideration. I don't care what the betting odds say. And you also got to mention Zach Wilson. I think Zach Wilson is an option. I don't know if he would be over Justin Fields or Trey Lance. I don't know where they rank those three, but Zach Wilson also works with John Beck. Mm-hmm. Now that one's longer, kind of like Justin Fields, where they kind of purposely sought out John Beck and hired him not because the Niners said so because at the time the Niners didn't have the third pick you know Trey Lance is the one that yeah it, it's pretty clear he hired John Beck just to try to be the number three pick but Zach Wilson also works with John Beck so I would think he's in the running for number three it's just almost definitely not 
going to be the case where he's there at number three. I cannot wait. We are a week away. Like I, I want all the speculation. I enjoy the speculation and talking about it, but I, I just, I want the pick to be made because I think I'm going to be right. And I just want to, whoever it is, I want to be able to focus on the future on, okay, we've got our guy. What does he do? Well, what does he not do? Well, what will he do better here? You know, how can I envision him interacting with the rest of the offense? Like, I just want to be able to pencil in that guy. I want to be able to draft that guy in Madden. And I'm ready. Like, let's get to it. I'm ready. Did you see the thing I tweeted really early this morning about ESPN's draft kit thing? That according to ESPN, there was something like a 98% chance that Justin Fields was going to be available like eighth overall, something crazy like that. So it was this thing that you basically you say, are you picking in the top in the first half of the draft or the second half? Okay, first half. Are what position are you looking for? Quarterback. What type of quarterback are you wanting? And this was really stupid because it was dual threat. Okay, then it's Trey Lance. And then they gave the percentages of when they thought he would be like what percentage he'd be available at pick five, what percentage he'd be available at pick ten. And that was based on Kuiper, McShay, I guess, like all their experts weighed in. And they had four different options, obviously. You know, they had, uh, I forget what they called them all, but it was dual threat for Lance. It was accuracy for Mac Jones, you know, those things. And so I picked, I got to the one that was Fields, which I don't even remember what it was. And it said 99.5% chance (laughs) he is available at pick five. So if you do the math on that and you translate that into betting odds, since we've already talked betting odds, that means they're saying it's a one in 200 chance that he's taken in the top four picks. So that's saying that he's a one in 200 chance of being taken at number three, which would mean if you placed a bet with those odds, $1 would win you $200. (laughs) Like, what the hell are you doing? Like, I didn't even look at the rest of it after that. I was like, what are you you talking about here 99.5 percent chance at five it it was just mind-blowing to me and it honestly reminded me why yep this is why i don't read espn that's why i won't pay for espn plus (laughs) i mean it it, so much of this pre-draft stuff just completely disappears the second the picks are made and i know that like we're all trying to create content and stuff but sometimes it just gets out of control like it just gets crazy that's nuts to me because even if the Niners don't take him at three, he's probably going in the next pick because if if Atlanta doesn't want him, I guarantee you there is somebody else that does that is going to move heaven and earth to get that pick. And I bet you the Falcons are kind of hoping that that's what happens uh, because I think they will move if they can. But the idea that he's not going to go four, I think that would just blow my mind. I would be stunned if that happened. I don't know if I would necessarily be completely stunned. Because Atlanta might like the other one because there's going to be three guys. You know, maybe they love Trey Lance and they take Trey Lance at four. Or maybe somebody's desperate for Kyle Pitts. Like, there's a chance that number five still has Justin Fields sitting there. But it's nowhere near 99.5. Like, (laughs) I I, I would put it at, like, more like a 30% chance he's still sitting there at five. Like, yeah, there's a chance. But, I mean, stranger crap has happened in the draft. I mean, there's all kinds of quarterbacks that have slid in the draft that are going, how the hell is this happening? But it's not likely, and it's definitely not an almost sure thing, as they put it. 
so much of this stuff just seems off the wall to me. But we're we only have a week left. Thank God. Um, there's one more little draft tidbit I saw that came out from one of the 49ers beat writers just before we hit record. I wanted to get your opinion on, and then we'll get to some of the moves the 49ers made on Wednesday. Wayne Gallman is a 49er. Arden Key is a 49er. What do those moves tell us about what the Niners think of their team in 2021? We're back here on the Gold Standard Podcast. Okay, Levin, I saw this from Matt Barrows before we started recording. He tweeted, story coming tomorrow, which of course is now today, Thursday. A look back on the 2011 draft, which for my money is the most interesting one this century for the 49ers. He spoke with Trent Baalke for an hour about it, which according to Barrows is longer than he's ever spoken to him when he was the 49ers general manager. And in case you forgot, 2011 is the Alden Smith, Colin Kaepernick year. Do you agree with Matt Barrows that that is the most interesting draft for the Niners this century? No, I don't. Like, I I could see the logic if you're going to go interesting because you get the whole cap kneeling thing involved. Mm -hmm. But no, I, I, I don't think it's the most interesting. I think there are others that are more interesting. I mean, you had the Alex Smith, Frank Gore draft that also had a long time offensive lineman like Adam Snyder uh later in that draft like I, I I think that there's at least that one I would say is more interesting you have a number one overall pick quarterback that was literally the topic to debate like we are talking quarterbacks this offseason Alex was debated like that for you know six seven years straight and then you have the all-time leading rusher for the franchise who's one of the most popular players in franchise history also in the same draft. So I think you have to have that one. And then obviously there's also ones like the Patrick Willis, Joe Staley one. They also had like Deshaun Goldson made a pro bowl on the team. He's in that same draft. Like there are other ones that I, I would personally put above it. I think you could get into an argument after those two, but there's even like going way back. Cause I had to look this up once you mentioned it, but there's even ones like, you could go back to the uh, 2001. You had Andre Carter. He made a Pro Bowl. You know, he, he had a pretty darn good career. You had a longtime linebacker, Jamie Winborn, taken after that. You got into the whole Kavon Barlow thing because he was taken third in that same draft. And then you want to also throw in a little, little bit more into that draft. You had Cedric Wilson, who was around on the team for a while. And the seventh over or the seventh round pick, the last pick for the team in that draft was Eric Johnson, who we've talked about on this show. You know, the guy that was supposed to be this great tight end who couldn't stay healthy, but he was a very interesting player, put it that way. The last draft pick that Bill Walsh ever made, Eric Johnson, seventh round pick out of Yale. I think, I mean, look, there's obviously a lot of years to choose from. I think 2010 is really interesting because you had Anthony Davis, Mike Yapati, and Navarro Bowman. Like, that's a hell of a draft right there. Two stud offensive linemen for you. And you get, you know, one of the best middle linebackers the team has ever had all in the same draft. That, to me, was super interesting. And and you you get the really bad interesting in that draft that you're talking about because... You have the Taylor Mays, which everybody oh. was really excited for. That's, that's <laughs> bad, but it's interesting. I mean, it's a topic that's still brought yep. up. And, and, and then the last two picks in that draft are mm. interesting for really bad reasons, one of which is recent. You have Kyle Williams, which I don't think I need to say much more. 
And then you have the seventh round pick that year was Philip Adams, who was recently in the news for horrific reasons, being accused of, I think, what was it, three murders? Oh, I think it was even more than that, wasn't was it? Like it? six? Uh, yeah, I, I can't remember right now off the top of my head. It, it's one of those stories. It's like, ugh, I, you know, I, I tried not to dwell on that story because it's just horrific. But even if you take that away, because, you know, that's so many years later that it, he became interesting. You have Kyle Williams, like you said, and, and Taylor Mays for bad reasons. And then the three good ones that you brought up. There has certainly been a lot of crazy drafts for the 49ers also bruce miller in 2011 was a defensive end they took in the seventh round and they turned him into a pretty good fullback for them for a lot of years too of course he ran into his own uh off the field injuries but i just i saw that tweet i'll be interested to read the article from barrels because i you know i always like you're not going to get the real story from guys right away years later when they have less to lose, you get you have a better chance of getting more out of them. So if he talked to Balky, you know, I think that could be an interesting read. But I just saw his point, and I wanted to run it past you about the, the most interesting draft. All right, let's get to a couple of the additions the 49ers have made. One is running back Wayne Gallman from the Giants. He is now a San Francisco 49er. Two is Arden Key, defensive lineman who played for the Raiders last year. Does the Gallman signing to you, which I like, but does it kind of signal to you that the Niners don't have a ton of faith that Raheem Moster can stay healthy for 16 games? Mm, I wouldn't so much say that. I think it was just a a bigger back that became super cheap. And so why not replace essentially Kev, Tevin Coleman where you get a bigger back for when you want him. They now have a goal line runner, even though Wilson has proven to be really good at goal line. He's not really a goal line runner. Um, but you get Goldman who can fill a role that nobody else could in that offense. The one thing that I think it would signal to me is the Niners aren't going to draft. I would be shocked if they use a draft pick on a running back even late because there's no need. They might bring in some undrafted guy, but unlike previous years, there's not really a chance to earn a roster spot because I don't. it doesn't matter how good you look. Jeff Wilson has proven he deserves to be on the roster. Raheem Mostert, if he's healthy, he's going to be on the roster. Goleman proved last year when uh, Barkley went down with the Giants that he's a really good, big, beefy running back that, like I said, fills a role that nobody else does. And then you have all the other guys full of upside that were around last year. I agree. I don't think a draft pick is going to be used on a running back. They'll probably bring in somebody, but I like I like the – the roster, the room there that they've put together. I think they've got guys that can do different things. And I think that overall, what we've seen from the Niners is they are trying to build in redundancies in their roster to account for some of these injuries. Like to me, they know they're not going you know, to get through the year where basically nobody gets injured. Like the Buccaneers just had last year where pretty much nobody got injured for them. They've had an incredible year health-wise. The Niners are planning on guys getting hurt. So they're trying to build for that in their roster. I think that they are putting together a team that is is one of the deepest in the league, especially one of the deepest in the NFC. And I think they really think that they are going to make another run at it this year. So along those lines, let me surprise you with a topic. Oh boy. Did you see the video on Twitter with him running, looking to be on the comeback trail, still out there if I'm not mistaken. Would you be open to bringing back Quan Alexander, assuming he's dirt cheap? I mean, if he's dirt cheap, maybe, but he's not starting. I don't want him as no. a starter. 
Um, I don't think yeah, he's going mean, to get an offer out there to start. I mean, he, he's somebody that might sit around and not get any offers until there's injuries in training camp. Here's the the angle of that that I like and where I think that Alexander would have the most value to the Niners. I was talking a little bit about this with Kyle Posey yesterday, just off the air. The leadership for the 49ers, especially on defense, with Richard Sherman now gone, he was like a coach on the field. He would help a ton of players, offensive and defensive. And you and I have talked a little bit about this, too. I I think that the Niners are in a transitional phase when it comes to leadership. And Quan was a really emotional leader for the team when he was there. And they are sort of lacking that now on defense. If I had to pick anybody, I guess I would say Fred Warner, but he's not really a super vocal guy. So they are kind of missing that a little bit. And that's a void that Quan would fill. Yeah, I, I think they have good leadership on the defense but they don't have the vocal one, like you were saying. You know, I think Eric Armstead is seen as as the leader on that defensive line in terms of captainship type things. You know, obviously Bosa is a better player, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're the leader in the sense that we're talking about. I think Eric Mm -hmm. Armstead is kind of the leader there. Obviously Fred Warner among the linebackers. In the secondary, it's probably Jimmy Ward, but none of those guys are vocal. They're all kind of quiet leaders that are more about kind of being tactical, I guess you could put it. You know what I mean? They're kind of like deep thinkers. As, as Lead far by as, example, guys. Yeah. And so I think they do kind of need a, a vocal type of guy. I, I think that they're going to need somebody to kind of step up. Not that like you always need that vocal leader, but sometimes like things start to go off the rails a little bit. You know how like when you're in your car and you happen to glance down at your phone for a second and you look up and you're kind of drifting towards the line. You're not going over the line but you're headed that way. Sometimes I feel like you need that kind of vocal leader to point that out, nip it in the bud and get you back in the center of the lane. Maybe they should hire you to be a, just a vocal battering ram for the defense. Cause you're <laughs> Mr. Flying high. You're always super high or super low, depending on how the game goes. Well, yeah, that's, I'm a fan. I'm not going to apologize for it. That's, that's how I roll. Like, if I could help it, I would. Like, I would prefer to be much more even keeled, but this is how I am. And uh, I'm 36 now. I don't know that that's necessarily going to be changing. On the offensive side of the ball, especially with a change of quarterback, I, I can't speak to, you know, I don't know if Justin Fields is super rah-rah guy. He, he, was a key component in them actually playing college football last year in his conference. So that does kind of make me think that maybe he is a vocal leader, but whoever they get, I don't know if Trey Lance is, I don't know if Mac Jones is, but I mean, the quarterback is a leader, whether they want to be or not. So I hope that the person that they draft is a vocal leader because there's pressure on you from that position, no matter who you are. I think it's kind of hard to see what a quarterback's leadership demeanor is like in reality in college, especially top college programs, because in college, the coaches are, you know, the Kings of that program, what they say goes and they don't like people kind of standing out. You know what I mean? Like a lot of the college coaches, they have their program, everybody fall in line. Whereas in the NFL, especially once you get the big contract or you're a top draft pick, the quarterback is the guy. You know, if he's really good, the quarterback will be chosen over the coach most of the time if it comes down to it. So, like, it's kind of hard. Like, you've seen 
players kind of come out of their shells before there have been players that they weren't quite as vocal in college and all of a sudden they get in the pros and you know they're yelling and screaming all the time and i think kittle's a leader on offense too um he strikes me as a vocal guy and he's good enough to where he can you know have the ear of the locker room i think there's Less worry on offense for me than defense, but we will see. Speaking of defense, by the way, I mentioned it. Arden Key, come on down. You are now a San Francisco 49er. And we we know the pattern with the Niners. They like to build depth along the defensive line, and they want to be able to have a good, what do they call it, the Bravo squad, whatever their second unit is. that They, you know, they want to be able to cycle in guys that can contribute when they're resting Armstead and Bosa and guys like that. Yeah, I mean, Arden Key, I, I think it's, assuming it's a super cheap deal, I think it's a quality signing, but it, it, it's not one that really moves the needle for me at all. I, he's a guy that, like, I'm not even sure he makes the roster. I think he's more likely to make it than not, but I don't think he's any lock whatsoever to make the roster. Why do you have to poo-poo everything? You're such a poo-pooer. I'm just realistic, like... Yeah, I think Wayne Gallman is a great saying. Arden Key, okay, don't don't really care. You know, it's to me that that's on the on the level of like Jordan Willis last year. Like, cool, like doesn't doesn't matter one way or the other. All right, well, let's get to something that I know you care about because you tweeted about it. If you haven't noticed, you probably haven't been following the league meetings super closely. The league uh, changed the rule this year to expand which jersey numbers certain positions can wear. Running backs, linebackers, defensive backs, wide receivers, tight ends can now wear single-digit numbers, I think anywhere from 1 to 49. And you don't like it, Levin, because you are old man yelling at cloud. (laughs) I think you're overdoing it a little bit on how much I don't like it. I merely pointed out that Personally, I I can understand where a player would be coming from if they want to move back to their favorite number because there there is a thing about your favorite numbers. But at the same time, if you're somebody that is a young player that's been popular, people have bought your jersey. Jerseys aren't cheap. A lot of uh, kids out there or adults, like they buy a jersey, that is a big commitment and they only commit when they think it's somebody that's going to be around long term if you change your jersey number, their jersey is instantly outdated. And, you know, I think about that specifically with Debo Samuel, Samuel, who's likely to change his number. How many people out there have bought his jersey already and are going to be like, well, this is not up to date anymore. It's going to make it it's instantly dated now. Like, it, I can understand why they want to change their number. I'm not going to be mad at anybody that does. I just personally think that it's kind of a jerk move. It's a little bit selfish. It's their number. They have the right to wear whatever number they want to wear. You know when you buy a jersey, like if Debo Samuel gets cut or traded, that jersey's just as dated, and you knew that when you bought it. So there's always that risk. Uh, Debo people has don't go. People don't go out and buy jerseys of, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh round picks because they hope they're going to be something. They wait until they see that they are something and then buy it. Like all know. those people that bought number ten jerseys. Yeah, those people like that is one like. Nobody saw that coming. It is what it is. But this is somebody willfully still being on the team saying, well, your jersey is no good anymore. Well, then buy another one. If you like that player enough to buy my jersey, buy my new one. One thing that could be a factor, if you want to change your jersey this year, 
The league says you have to buy any inventory of your jersey. Like, so all the unsold, let's say, Debo Samuel jerseys, Debo Samuel has to buy those if he wants to change his jersey for 2021. Now, if he waits, if he puts in the request this year, he can change it in 2022 and not have to pay any money. But if he wants a new number this year, if Fred Warner wants to go back to number four this year instead of 54, he's going to have to pony up some uh, coin of the realm, as Hank Stram would say. So that would be an interesting thing to see because how many jerseys are out there then and do they have to pay the sticker price or do they pay the wholesale price because those are widely different (laughs) (laughs) i mean i don't know your knockoff chinese jerseys probably made in the same place as the one that you're getting if it's not a knockoff but i mean i i I don't know like if you just think about it if it's a hundred dollars average price because you're talking about authentic and non-authentic jerseys so a hundred dollar average price for the jersey, even if there's what only ten thousand out there, that would be a million dollars that you have to pay to change your jersey number. Debo Samuel can't afford that. He's on a rookie contract from a second round draft pick, and I would bet there's ten thousand of them out there. Fred Warner is going to be able to afford it pretty damn soon. I'll <laughs> tell you that he could just you know get that get a loan to cover that cost because he's going to be getting paid. Uh, they also changed the onside kick rule, by the way. So this year. They're not doing the fourth and 15 alternative, which I think would have been a ton of fun, but they're not doing that because of the NFL and God forbid they do anything fun. What they've decided is now the receiving team can have two fewer people in the zone where the onside kick usually goes. So they're hoping that with two less guys there, the receive the uh, kicking team, excuse me, will be more likely to recover it. You know, onside kicks used to be like one of the most exciting plays. Like I would say, you had your Hail Mary, and then you had your onside kick. And those were like the end of game, you're on your edge of your seat, guaranteed plays. And then they said, oh, we can't have people crashing into each other in a physical sport, so let's limit everything about kickoffs, including an onside kick. Like that That's why they did away with the onside kick. It's because they didn't want people crashing into each other and maybe getting concussions. But at a certain point, it is a contact sport. I can understand the wedges because you have guys getting a 50-yard head start and (laughs) dive bombing into a wedge of people. Yeah, that's not a good idea. It's an onside kick. It's a 10-yard running at each other. Like, it's not much different than in the trenches during a regular snap. I just wish that they went to the 4th and 15. To me, that's super fun. It's, It's super exciting. It would just make it a little different. To me, the onside kick, I mean, you almost need somebody to screw up in order for it to to go right. Like, I I don't necessarily like that. I would rather see an outcome of a game be determined by somebody doing something well instead of doing something poorly. But that's just me. But God forbid the NFL do that. They also said they're going to increase taunting penalties. Yay, because that's what we all need, more flags. And uh, I'm trying to think if there was anything else other than that that was super interesting. Oh, the replay official now is going to be able to advise the on-field officials on certain things if they screwed up a call. If a guy's foot was inbounds, you know, on a catch or if there was a fumble, stuff like that, they're going to be able to just buzz down and say, hey, this was a fumble, this was a catch, this wasn't before a replay review gets triggered, which is a step in the right direction. They could do it better, but at least it's something. Yeah, duh. Like, just do the <laughs> damn sky judge or whatever you want to call it already. Get the calls right. That's what everybody wants. 
and make them as quickly decided as possible. And guess what makes the decision faster? Having somebody in the sky looking at it right away and not waiting for the referee to run over to the sideline to look at it. 100% agree. It's not a a hard concept. No, it's not. You need the officials to have the benefit of all the views that everyone watching at home has, and you need them to have the benefit of those views as fast as the viewers at home. That's That's what pisses everybody off about the reviews is that they take too long. You need to be able to fix this stuff as soon as we see that it needs to be fixed at home. And they, you know, they, they're, God forbid they do it, right? You got to be dragged kicking and screaming to do the right thing. Yeah, the NFL is uh, stupid sometimes. <laughs> and by sometimes, I mean like every year they make some rule change that's dumb. You know, whether it's, hey, you can't hit the quarterback except for this one six-inch spot or we're going to throw a flag. Yeah, hey, I went there. those quarterback rules. Our quarterback hasn't been able to stay healthy. Yeah, so why not let the other quarterbacks get hit so other teams lose their quarterback? Well, yeah, it would be nice if another team besides the 49ers lost their quarterback for a change. But uh, hopefully that that will not be an issue, hopefully, in about, uh, well, actually a week, seven days from now. Uh, By the way, I want to remind everybody that Niners Nation is going to be doing a live draft show. Levin, hopefully you're going to be a part of it if you're uh, feeling up to it after vaccination number two. But the plan is to have you and everybody else into the pool. We're going to do a live show at 8 o'clock Eastern, right when the draft starts. You, Akash, Kyle Posey, Niner Nate, Leo Luna, everybody into the pool. It's going to stream to the Niners Nation Facebook page and the Niners Nation YouTube channel. It's going to stream uh, stream to my Twitter account, at Stats on Fire. So there's going to be plenty of places for you to see it. We want interact interaction. We want comments, everything. But we are going to be there with you live during the draft. Yeah, a couple of things. One, it's your chance to put our ugly mugs with the voices that you've been listening to on the podcast. True. We will be on video for better or worse. Ugly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Two, there will be uh, one one issue for me that dawned on me since we recorded last, and you know this from game days. What what do I say when you text me immediately after a play? New phone. Who this? Yeah. No, I, I have streaming for my cable, whatever you want to call it. I use YouTube TV. So that means I'm delayed probably like 30 seconds generally. And so a lot of times you text me and I'll, and it'll be something like, Oh wow. Or I, what the hell? Or, or something like that. And I'll be like, well, something's about to happen on this play. Oh, there's the snap. <laughs> and I just realized, like, during the past week, I'm going to be watching a live draft with other people live, and it's going to be one of those things where everybody goes, oh, my God, they took so-and-so. And I'm be like, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, they did. <laughs> Will you, like, avert your eyes and ears from the live stream before the pick is made? Because I love not knowing. I don't look at Twitter before the picks are made. Like, I want to be surprised. Yeah, I don't know. I'll make that decision when it comes. I I don't know who's going to be. I would assume I will probably be the last one because YouTube TV is generally, it's kind of a hit or miss, but normally it's like a full 30 seconds to a minute behind. Wow. But I don't know who else. Yeah. The streaming, all the streaming cable options are that way. Um, But I don't know what, other people have on our network like some other people might have 
have, I don't know, but uh, what you guys should do is uh, pause your feeds and we all get timed up together so that I don't have it ruined by you jerks. Yeah, we're definitely not going to do that. I'm just telling you right now. I'm not pausing every 30 seconds after the pick is made so you could catch up. You better get on Twitter or something. I don't know, man, but figure that out. I didn't think of that, but you're right. I get that is a factor. I just kind of assumed we'd all be on the same page there, but you're right. Yeah. I mean, the others are, now. Yeah, the others in the West Coast too. So uh, I would almost guarantee you will be the first to know because you are East Coast and all TV feeds come out of New York. And then are routed elsewhere. So even As, people like when I moved out West, I found out I was about a second and a half to two seconds behind uh family back East. Well, I think we can all agree that I should be the first to know, but nice to know that you confirmed that, but that's going to something that we are going to be doing. I'm super excited about it. Are you going to shave for the <laughs> live broadcast? No, <laughs> this, this takes me how long to grow? Like, I mean, you've been watching it. <laughs> That's the face you're going with. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's the face that you've looked at for, what, like a year and decided, hey, I really need to bring this guy along with me so that I can get this job. Yeah, face for radio. <laughs> Uh, so that is good also please rate review and subscribe i didn't mention it before but obviously it it really helps us with awareness if you like what you hear there's a ton of niners podcasts out there we know we really appreciate you listening so let somebody else know why you listen and why you like us please leave a review if you have any questions of course you can constantly hit us up we will be happy to answer them and by the way levin another thing that we have just added as I jam, you know, just as much as possible into the close of this show, is we added a Niners Nation hot take hotline, which is going to make our instant reaction podcast a lot more fun on Sundays. It is basically, well, it is, it's a voice mailbox that you can call whenever stuff happens and leave us your hot take. If you like it, if you don't like it, whatever it is, and we will play your hot takes during the podcast. The number is 415 415- 409-8220. Call it, leave us a voice message or a question, whatever you want, and we will play it on the show. I'm sitting here laughing because I I just had this flash as, as you're reading this of that hotline's gonna be completely filled up with Niners Nate freaking out about <laughs> something that happened. <laughs> God help that hotline if Mac Jones is the pick. Because Niner Nate is gonna be feverishly calling and swearing. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm hoping he's on the live feed. He is the one that I'm going to know instantaneously <laughs> who the pick is. Because it's either going to be he's jumping and going crazy, he's happy but not going crazy, or he is broken his computer and he's no longer there. And that yeah, would like- be Justin Fields, he's going crazy. Trey Lance, he'll probably be like really happy, but I, I'm not sure he'll go quite ballistic. Or McCorkle Jones will be broken <laughs> computer and Nate's gone. <laughs> Yeah, Nate will be off the live stream because something will be broken for sure. Either his computer or his hand after he punches the wall. But it's going to be fun, and we want to be there with you as much as we can. So please join us for the live show. Also, we'll have reaction to all the picks on day two of the draft. Kyle Posey and I and and basically anyone else that we can get that wants to join in is going to we'll be there with analysis after each pick of the second round or uh, the third round. And by the way, if anybody 
not naming any names, happens to get traded on day two or three of the draft. We will have instant reaction for you there as well. So Niners Nation is the place to be next week. Now always, but especially next week. Yeah, and just to close with this all-important thought that I know everybody listening really cares about, this is by far the most realistic random name generated by this thing as I signed in. Because as you know, I don't ever type in my name. And it just randomly generates a name for me. And it says practical transmitter. Yeah, I'm the practical person that doesn't go crazy high or low on anything. And I'm transmitting. So I just thought I should bring that up since we bring it up occasionally. That is by far the most realistic one. So good job service that we use to record. All that awesome information that I just gave people and you threw in the most boring, mundane nugget as we end the show. That's what I'm here for. Seven days left. Stay with Niners Nation. Go Niners. You got more than seven days left of me. Sadly. Sadly.